and gentlemen. Uh, Can I please have your attention? Daniel Jenkins! Listeners, this is Jonah Goldberg, host of the Remnant Podcast, brought to you by the Dispatch and Dispatch Media. Uh, come to the Dispatch to get all the free stuff uh, and maybe even become a paid member. You go to thedispatch.com, and that's where you can find out the thing I'm not even allowed to talk about on this public forum. Okay, so uh, keeping up with the uh, the pandemic tradition of finding people that we wanted on the podcast for a very long time. Um, uh, and now that they are in captivity, we were able to get them. Uh, one of what really one of the greatest constitutional scholars in America. Uh, he runs an really impressive program at Princeton university. Um, uh, he um, is one of the, uh, 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 Jonah, I'm sorry. It's the other guy. It's the other oh. Robert. Oh, sorry. Oh, God. oh crap! I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. We have no, we have today better. not. We we don't have Robbie George from yeah. Princeton. We have the other Robbie George, um, Robert A. George. That's good. Um, and since 2004, when he wrote a cover story for the New Republic, endorsing John Kerry, I've always said the way to remember the difference between them is that the A stands for apostate. Um, Robert is a very old friend of mine. Um, he is on the editorial board of the New York Daily News. He's a columnist for the Daily News. He does stand-up. He is one, if, if, pun, if, if, if bad puns were a capital offense, uh, Robert George would have been put to death so many times, it is almost incalculable. Uh, Robert, thanks for coming on, and uh, sorry for the confusion. Uh, well, you know, it, it's it's happened a lot. Uh, and by the way, just to be clear and on the record, I did not officially endorse John Kerry. I just uh, unendorsed uh, or non-endorsed George W. Bush. So I, I voted Libertarian that year, just so just so we're all just so we're all on the on the uh, in the in the in the full clear and understanding right here. Uh, Fair and, enough. And you Fair are enough. correct. Uh, uh, my, my middle, my middle initial a is actually short for Anthony, but you are actually one of the nicer conservatives in saying that the apostate, sta the, the a stands for apostate. There were other conservatives who thought it stood <laughs> for something else, but we don't have to go down that road. <laughs> um, and uh, you've been at the Daily News for how long now? It's been a while. Uh, it's uh, it, it it's a uh, four years actually. It was uh, yeah four. Is that all? Four four years four years in March. It was uh, it was uh, not completely coincidentally a an election year uh, decision in two thousand in two thousand sixteen, and when I I made the move from uh, the fabled uh, New York Post, uh, you know, which is. Which uh, still has a has a hold in my heart because I you know, still have lots of friends over there, uh, but there was uh, the the timing the timing was right uh, the the daily the daily news uh, came knocking and you know we all believe in the capitalist system and I thought oh let's give it and there there are thirty pieces of silver spent so I mean it was it was it was good so I, I have a question when you leave the New York Post is it do do is it like the Klingon discommodation ceremony where everyone just turns their back on you or do, or do they all or is it like the Crips of the Bloods where they kick you in a line and beat you as on your way out? 
it's it's some it's something in between it's something in between uh the, the the truth the truth is that while the the post and the news are longtime tabloid rivals and uh, you know, we can get into the whole tabloid wars a bit if we want to at some at some point uh but the truth the truth is the if you're if you work for one tabloid the 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 dna of what it means to be in a tabloid is is transferable and so i went over to when i went over to the daily news i counted uh, at least a dozen maybe close actually probably close to 20 people who had previously worked at the uh, uh, at the post and uh, and then shortly thereafter, there was uh, people left the were leaving the news, and then they ended, ended up going over to the post. So while there are certain differences in terms of uh, board, some differences in terms of board ideology, uh, particularly in terms of national politics, uh, the, the 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 way they both sort of attack New York City and so forth is very very similar. Yeah, so it's sort of like leaving Cheers to go to Pete's Old Town Tavern. They're both pubs, <laughs> they're both Boston, but they just have slightly different customs, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's exactly right. That's exactly correct. Okay, so uh, where to begin? First of all, I guess we should tell people how, I mean, I can't remember when I first met you. And I, oh, I should also let people know if you hear uh, parts of the rich audio tapestry of downtown Washington on this podcast, it's because I am parked in downtown Washington. The key card to the dispatch did not work, so I couldn't record from the office and I couldn't record from home for because uh, there's a workman there. And so I apologize for once again going gorilla from my car. Um, but the nice thing about being in downtown Washington is people just weirdly talking to themselves does not look abnormal anymore. So um, it's, there's that. Same, same, for, same, for, same for New York as well. <laughs> even more so. I would I, say. Even yeah. more so I, than I, ever. You guys were trendsetters there. Um, so... I can't remember when we first met, but we hung out a lot um, for a few years because we were both on arguably the least watched pundit show on <laughs> cable television. <laughs> um, late late edition with Wolf with, with with Wolf Blitzer was it even was it was it called late edition at that point? I I, uh, I think it was. I think it was it it, it, it was. And uh, appropriate. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's basically evolved into. I guess it's State of the Union now with J- with Jake Tapper. I guess is the successor is a successor to that. And uh, it was the it was the the Sunday talk show that would not end because <laughs> our uh, uh, the, the segment uh, the the roundtable segment came at the end of three or four hours i think i think it was a three hour show it started at noon and ended at three (laughs) it was and we were on a 230 it it was like uh it was like a gilligan's island three-hour tour that literally went on forever i mean it 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 truly was Uh, but it was but it was it it was great it was you know you you and i were representing the writer center position and uh, on the uh, on the other side, were I mean, there was always kind of a revolving cast of characters, but it was uh, pr- primarily primarily Donna Brazil and Peter Beinart, if memory memory recalls. <laughs> Whatever happened to those guys? Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, also uh, Donna Brazil alternated every other week with Julian Malva. Th- that's that's right. That's right. And one of the, one of the funny things, and I'll just speak. I, I'm not asking, not trying to put you in an awkward position, but you were actually one of the first people when Gore picked. Uh, Donna as the campaign manager and I criticized her, you kind of 
shot back at me and said, actually, no, she's a pretty decent lady. And then I got to know her from CNN. Mm -hmm. And I love Donna. I think Donna Brazil, I mean, I have problems with the things that political, you know, part, I don't, I don't mean in a pejorative way, but like partisan hacks, you know, she's like a consummate political person, you know, consultant, manager type. I have a problem with the way they operate as pundits, but that does not, that's not unique to her as a person. She's one of the most lovely, decent people out there. And uh, again, I don't want to put you in an odds place, but I hated Julianne Malveaux with the fury of the a kind of, sons. yes. I mean, I literally, we would solve all energy problems if you could have just harnessed a kernel of my hatred for that woman. And, um, and the nice thing about it was that it was returned. Um, so there was that, but we always had a fun time. I, and I felt, uh, and I think from the, from the way we were always uh, positioned on the panel, I, I always kind of felt uh, that uh, for those for, for, for those people who are, are not, who don't know me, uh, I will I I will identify myself as an African American, and I felt that, you said it. I didn't. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I felt that I, I felt that I was getting you know equal. Uh, e equal tanning treatments from both of you because of the, <laughs> the the fury of the heated hatred that was going in that was going in between and i always knew that uh, you you, uh, you would get infuriated when she would use one of her one of her phrases like cashing wolf tickets and things like that <laughs> there was some of that there was some of that there was also when i remember one time josh marshall was subbing for peter Bynard. right and um she said something like, we owe, we owe North Korea justice. Oh, God, I don't remember that one. <laughs> and I remember, like, even Josh Marshall was just like, yeah, I'm not sure about that formulation. But, you know, anyway. Uh, but it was a good time, and it was called The Last Word in Sunday Talk, which was both literally and figuratively true. Um, and we were up against considerable amounts of Sunday football, which... Right is not ideal for the fifth morning talk show on <laughs> Sunday. Uh, but, but, but no, anyway. it was, it was, it was great. I, uh, I, I would, I, I was already up in, I was already up in New York full time then. So I was coming down, I was coming down every Sunday to, 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 to do the show. I was, uh, in my, in my, my fabled, my fabled time as a CNN contributor and too, yeah. which, which had actually, which had actually begun in now since we're going through a nice uh, trip down memory lane here it had actually begun in in march of 2001 when cnn decided they wanted to try this you know young uh, hip version of the capital gang you know with younger younger reporters and pundits and so forth and it was a show it was a show called take five uh, and it, the, the, there were, uh, there, there were five, there were five of us. There were, th there were three people, there were three regulars, uh, and, of, and the, the, uh, uh, the first among equals among the three regulars would be, would, would be Jake Tapper, uh, and my young Jake Tapper, a young Jake Tapper, right? We were all we were all young. We were all young back then. And then they had a kind of a whole rotate uh, had a whole rotating group um, of people like uh, who would become fairly well known on the D.C. scene, including Jay Carney, uh, uh, who at that time that at that point was with Time Magazine, I 
think, I think. And of course, he, he later went on into the, the Obama administration. Uh, and also young John Dickerson um, was also was also part of that was also part of that crew and uh, and, 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 a, and a handful of others. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a but the, the problem we started in we started in um, March of 2001. And uh, and we went on for you know through the late spring and the summer and the the ratings the ratings weren't great but we'd heard that they were you know we we're going to extend us for you know uh, however many more months and and then the thing called September 11th happened and they felt that uh, the sort of light uh, the, the relatively light uh, semi pop culture focused mix of, with with politics didn't really uh, match the, the the temper of the times and we went off we went off and uh, so i was pushed off to the sidelines and then they said oh you know we'd like to you know have you come back and do this uh, this sunday thing and uh, said, oh okay so there we go and then voila you and i so my experience with doing all of that we can get off this in a in a second but is the the what i try every now and then when anyone will listen to me because even back then it was much more impressive and important to be on tv than it is now and it really wasn't that impressive or important back then. <laughs> and and the the young people who think they've arrived because they've got an 11.30 hit on Fox or MSNBC and they put it in their Twitter avatar and, you know, it becomes part of their, their identity. TV is a constantly blaring thing that sends trillions of hours of radio signals out into space and almost no one cares. And it, um, if you make it part of your identity and you think your self-esteem, if your self-esteem is wrapped up with being on, on TV, particularly sort of middling TV, it is just a recipe for either having your character destroyed <laughs> or being really miserable as a professional. And, um, at, but there are some people who just have to discover that on their own. Yeah. Um, and just keep it in perspective. I'm not saying don't do TV. You know, it could be part of your thing, but it just, if you think it's fundamentally who you are, you're just going to be a mess. But anyway. Without, without question. And, and, uh, <laughs> we've, we've, we've always sort of kind of, kind of proved the point by, you know, <laughs> spending the first 10, 10 or 15 minutes here, you know, doing a, a, a trip down memory lane, uh, discussing, uh, two TV shows from the, uh, early part of the 21st century that I'm, I'm betting that maybe two or three people, uh, of, who listen to this podcast have ever even heard of? I mean, they've mentioned, they've heard a couple of the names. They've heard of Jake Jake Tapper and Donna Brazil, um, but that you know that's about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a large number of my listeners who haven't even heard of me. Um, anyway, so I, I guess we should start with the um, well, save the really you know grave disagreements about Marvel versus DC towards the end. <laughs> but uh, um, where you know so. First of all, just so we can do a little level setting here, um, you used to be a Newt Gingrich guy, right? A long time ago. A uh, long time ago, I, I, I worked for I worked for Newt for about uh, about four. Well, for, for for most of for most of his time as uh, for most of his time as speaker, because he was he was he was speaker for four years, and I was there for about three and a half of them. Yes. And um, how? Where do you put yourself on the ideological spectrum these days? Conservative, libertarian, moderate, center left, center right, you know, choose the means of your 
destruction? <laughs> that's a that's that, that's a that's a very good question. That's a very good question, and it's something I've 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 struggled with. I. Uh, I, I historically sort of lumped myself in in the more broadly uh, uh, libertarian part of the uh, of whatever you know, either Venn diagram or whatever that kind of we- weird square is uh, uh, of, um, of, of, of 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 politics. Uh, I am uh, while I while I never um, you know. Uh, uh, raise the flag of, of, of never Trump, you know, as, as, as they say, I mean, I never contributed to, uh, whatever that magazine was that had that big headline of never Trump in the, in 2016, a national review or something like that. I forget what it was called. Um, it was actually against Trump, not never oh, Trump. Sorry, that was, was against term, Trump. Yeah. That was right. Yeah. It was against, it was against, it was against Trump. Uh, I have, you know, by, by, by default, um, ended up, uh, you know, ended up in that position. Uh, as I, as I hinted at before, uh, it wasn't the overwhelming reason, but one of the reasons why I uh, uh, moved from the New York Post to the Daily News was I realized that uh, it was most likely that the Post, at least in in the uh, uh, at least in the primary season of 2016, that they were go- that they were going to endorse uh, Donald Trump, and that was just uh, that was just a bridge. That was just a bridge too far for me. Uh, in terms of my, in terms of my personal politics, my my personal politics, in in st- in state and in st- in in state and local uh, elections, and this is true from you know from from my my Maryland and my Maryland days all into my New York days. In state and local, I think I uh, I, I think I've, I probably have like something close to a ninety five percent of you know voting uh, uh, Republican. Uh, uh, Republican um, record uh, at the presidential level. I have uh, I have voted uh, I voted Republican. I voted Libertarian, Independent, and and Democrat. So I I it's I'm, I'm all over. I will admit I'm all over the map. Okay, that's fine. I just wanted to you know yeah because you know uh, it. I hate doing that kind of thing. But first of all, I just didn't know because you've been sort of on a journey. And second of all. Um, when we talk about sort of the Black Lives Matter stuff and all that kind of thing, um, I know you're a thoughtful guy about all that stuff. I think it's good for listeners to know that you, where you're coming from yeah, yeah, in no, that's, sort of this kind of thing. Yeah, so all disclosure here. Yeah, exactly. Where do you, so where do you come down on like, what is, you, I'm, 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 I'm assuming you don't actually believe in abolishing the police. So, but where do you come down on all this? Where where do you find your? Let me go back to my NWA days, so uh, where I th- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go beyond abolish the <laughs> defund the police, and I said it with authority. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, but you had a question I, before I. Uh... Yeah, no. So, so what is your thirty thousand foot take on where we are? Where? What parts of the argument do you agree with? What parts of the argument do you disagree with? You're a, you're a black guy who's lived in a bunch of different places, including New York City, yeah. um, and you have to have opinions about this for a living. Yeah. So just so, start there. So let's go let's 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 go back a few let's go back a few years uh, when Black Lives Matter first you know, kind of burst in the scene uh, in the in, in the mid in the mid two thousand teens. Uh, it was, uh, it, 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 
it was somewhere in between uh, the uh, death of uh, Trayvon Martin and and Ferguson. So that was it was like right around right around there. And uh, the you know Black Lives Matter immediately uh, uh, sparks this sort of pushback with the groups like uh, you know All Lives Matter and uh, Blue Lives and Blue Lives Matter you know supporting. Uh, su- su- supporting the police, and you know, most cons- most conservatives were completely dismissive of of of, of Black Lives Matter. You know, saying you know it's another um, Obama socialist uh, front group, and they're horrible, and they're destructive, and they're and they're borderline terrorists, and things, and and and, and so forth. My take was that it was a little bit different, and I thought there's a there's a lot to criticize them on. There was a lot to uh, be be wary of, but I thought that uh, the 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 contrast with the, the the interesting contrast with them in the context of the right was 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 actually was actually the Tea Party in 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 good and bad ways. And in the same way that uh, the Tea Party, there were the Tea Party was this broad movement, and then you also had these actual these actual specific groups that had Tea Party in their name, you know. And so the Black Lives Matter was was both a movement, and then you also had you know these these women who kind of sort of presented themselves as, you know, the official Black Lives Matter group. And, and these women who are still around, and I, and I'm, forgive me, I don't remember, I don't remember their names, but uh, the criticism of them being, you know, sort of a, a part of a, the broader, uh, progressive, aggressive, uh, ag- agro left is, I think, completely legitimate. And, uh, it, it, that's where you're getting a lot of these, these, these voices of, uh, of, uh, of, um, defund the police, abolish the police and, and so forth. And, you know, I live up here in New York and we, our, our local 24 hour station, uh, you know, is follow, obviously following all these protests, and they will occasionally stop one of the you know stop one of the of the protesters and say, "Well, you know, what are you you know what are you looking for? You know, is it just um, is it just you know, moving funds around from this police department so it can go into uh, into some social programs?" And they say, "No, no, we need to we we need to we need to abolish the police because they're targeting us and so forth." And there's it's they're completely and totally out there on the extreme, but. Stepping back, the broader the, the broader uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement, to the extent that some of the people um, leading it or the face of it uh, were uh, were, you know, were were black mothers uh, who had lost their uh, who, had, who had lost their sons uh, in in increasingly you know in, in truly tragic uh, in, in truly tragic events. And many of these involved, uh, you know, police police encounters. And it's it seemed to me that if uh, and this is this this is this by the way go, goes to a longstanding um, tension that I've always that I've had as somebody who identifies uh, as generally speaking in the 
in the broader in the broader center right ish uh, area that uh, conservatives are talk about uh, the limited government, but uh, nine times out of ten uh, they will be a hundred percent gonzo support the cops support the police and at the same time you've got a number of conservatives that well you know why aren't why aren't African Americans why aren't African Americans more uh, supportive of the conservative movement because they're they're conservative on this social issue or they're conservative on that social issue and they should be upset that their schools are bad and, and so forth uh, but if you're part of a community who's uh, who's you, you've got two experiences with government um, one is that um, your your parents, you know, may have worked as uh, w- worked uh, may, may have been in the army, and then and they kind of got uh, that was their kind of leg up into into society, or they may work for the post office or what or, or what have you. Uh, and so their experience, and 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 you have to go back, obviously, you know, 50, 60, 70 years uh, for 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 many African Americans, their uh, their family history, their societal history, their cultural history is working for the, the federal was working for the federal government because uh, it, it, those living in the South couldn't get any jobs uh, either in the private sector or in the public sector down 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 in the South. So that's the the positive side they have of government. The negative side they have of government uh, is uh, is 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 the police. And some of it is some of it some of it is legitimate uh, in terms of being you know arrested and, and, and so forth. But some of it comes down to comes down to harassment uh, and uh, and incredibly negative consequences in terms of of, of what uh, conservatives often talk about in a metaphorical sense the violence that government can do that is something that uh, some African Americans can speak of in in a in an actual literal. In, a, in an actual literal sense, so if if there is a group that says you know uh, uh, our our sons and in some cases our daughters are harassed by are harassed by the police and in certain cases uh, it goes over the line and they end up and they end up getting they end up getting killed by the police and we're demanding accountability from this government entity and the 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 uh, the the ideological um, movement that is most critical of, uh, of of government power is is siding with the cops, and and that's and that's uh, and and that and this, by the way, one of the first things I ever wrote was you know before I became a professional journalist, I was I was still working, um, I was actually working for the for the for the Republican National Committee, and this was this was back in back in two thousand, and I wrote a um, I wrote a piece for an, a long a long defunct. Uh, online publication called Intellectual Capital. Um, I remember them well. Yeah, I wrote for them too. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I wrote this piece. It was it was sh- it was shortly after a period in New York where you'd had these high profile uh, um, police abuse issues. There was the case of Abner Louima, which was a, a blatant crime, um, where these cops, uh, you know, sodomized uh, uh, this uh, Haitian American guy. Um, with a with a plunger after they had arrested him, then shortly after that you had the shooting of Amadou Diallo, 
And then you had another, a slightly less known one, which was just, but, but was all, also egregious, a guy named Patrick Dorisman, another Haitian, another Haitian American. And that was the one where Rudy Giuliani, who had been getting ready to run for Senate at the time, said, uh, you know, th- th- this, uh, well, well, this guy, uh, he was no, he was no choir boy. Yeah. And it, it, it turned out that not only had the guy previously been a choir boy, he had been a, he had been a choir boy at the same Catholic school that Rudy Giuliani had attended years before. Years, years <laughs> I before. forgot about right. that. Yeah. So, and, and I, I wrote, I, I wrote about this and I, and I wrote it from the perspective at the time of somebody who was working as a, you know, professional Republican, a professional black Republican and I'm saying, well, you know, why why are you having this difficulty you know uh speaking to the experience of the uh of african americans well you know take a look at the take a look at these kind of things this is the reality that they're seeing and you're not speaking to the level where where they are where we where 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 we are so i i saw the idea of uh you know that that, that black lives matter was sort of you know, coming coming along as a relatively grassroots, and I say relatively grassroots because uh, whether it's left or right, when when these movements come in, it's it's inevitable that the professionals will come in with their own money and their own and their own spokesmen and stuff like that, and the, and, and try and and try and, and try and co-op and try and co-opt it. But that was that's how I've always that's how I've seen uh, that's how I've seen Black Lives Matter. His, uh, his, historically, and and obviously now because of because of social media and everybody seeing that eight eight minutes forty sec forty seconds uh, forty six seconds um, um, video of um, of George Floyd gasping out, it it just kind of galvanizes it kind of galvanizes. Them. I said, oh wow, this is what they've been talking about. This is what this is what. Um, Colin Kaepernick has been talking about. This is what they've been talking about. He says, "Okay, I kind of, I, I guess I, I, I guess I get it now." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to go back to something you said before first, because um, it it tracks something with an argument I've made for a long time, which is that, you know, the the relationship with African Americans towards the federal government is almost the inverse of the standard sort of white conservative experience where. And it's and in some ways it tracks a little bit the sort of the Jewish European experience where, hmm. particularly like in places like Russia, you know, one of the it's sort of a joke to say you know that jo- that Jews would say if only the czar knew, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> the, the, the czar or the king or the monarch or whatever it was throughout Europe, this was a basic survival strategy for for Jews was to align align themselves against local oppressors. Hmm with the central authority and be of use to the central authority because, um, you know, whether it's usury or whatever, but I mean, there was this long, you know, there's this long history for certain minorities to see, to, to seek help from the central authority because the oppression that they face is actually from local authorities. So for Jews it was the pogroms and all that kind of stuff. In America, you know, it was the central authority under Lincoln that liberated <laughs> African slaves, right? And or African American slaves, and um, it was the locals who were oppressing them. It was the central government that smashed democratic tyrannies on the local level and came to the rescue. And that, to a, and to a certain extent, that that same pattern repeats itself with the '64 Civil Rights Act. Yeah, that's right. And so, to say um, that 
you know, the federal government is the one you're supposed to distrust, but the local government is the one you're supposed to trust, just runs really counter to a lot of historical experience, you know? And I, and I think it's a, it's a point that conservatives, you know, should think a lot more about. Um, and, 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 to, and to that point, uh, you know, conservatives now, they, 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 they get half of the equation when they point out, uh, well, uh, these protests, and they're they're focusing on the cops and and so forth and so forth. You know, so many of these incidents, uh, you, you see this on you know on Twitter and other places all the time. Says, well, so many of these incidents are 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 happening where in places where you know the you know, the, the the mayors the the mayors you know, the mayors are Democrat and uh, and uh, and uh, it's a it's a, it's a lot of this is happening in these blue states where the you know the governors the governors are Democrats. So you know the the the, the, uh, the the, the the problem the complaint that uh, African Americans have is, is 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 with local authority and so, and so forth and so forth. He said, well, yes, that is yes, that is true, and I completely I will I will completely agree with that. But the flips the, the flip side of that is uh, th- there's still as you point out there's this historical connection with a an empowered um, federal um, uh, uh, government, which has been historically the the protector of over of of, of overreach um, on the on the on the on the local side, and if, um, if 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 conservatives and if Republicans don't quite get that dichotomy, that by the way that by, that by the way is why uh, a Republican a Republican pre- president hasn't gotten more than say you know 16 or 17 percent of the black vote uh since like maybe maybe ford in 76 ford in 76 and then before that uh you have to go back to uh, you know nixon in 60 uh when he got about the, uh, almost uh, almost a third uh, almost a third of the black of, of the black vote it's because the black vote uh Generally speaking, will go with the party that it sees as uh, assertive on civil rights and protecting civil rights at the at the federal level, because there is a wariness of what is going to what kind of hijinks are going to happen at the at the local and state level. So, um, feel free to push back on any of this as you see fit. But, I've, I've um, never been shy against pushing back at you. No, I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I am, so first of all, I one of the reasons I find the current debate so frustrating is that it's really not a debate for the most part. Um, because I think you're right when you were describing the George Floyd murder. It's just, it really didn't leave any room for someone to take another side. You know, I mean, it's not, you watch that and you're like, oh, well, you got to hear both sides. You know, the guy was cuffed. He was, you know, face down in concrete. He was not a threat, and it was. It's it's a it's know, a dying. It's literally asking for his mother in his dying breast, which is yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just killing like, moment. Yeah, I think it's so horrifying and so horrible. And you, I think, reasonable people away from passionate crowds can argue about what degree of murder or homicide it is. I mean, that's fine, but to say it's not unjustified homicide is just insane to me, right? And I, and I think that's true for everybody. And I think that, you know, so like it's one of these things where I keep hearing like on NPR or 
uh, MSNBC people say, during these times where Americans are so powerfully divided over race, and one of the reasons why I think the, the debate has gotten so weird is because on this, there actually is no, there's no other side of this argument. There are people who aren't as passionate, and there are people who you can make the case that conservatives are slow walking and they're not, they're not agreeing to as much as they should, but there's remarkably little pushback on the actual racial aspect of this going on. And I think that has given a certain permission structure for the Black Lives Matter kind of activist crowd to take their arguments far beyond where they need to. Yeah. And because they they want to elicit someone to argue with them. And so it's, you can't reform the police, you got to abolish the police. And, you know, I, you know, Eddie Gloud, who I have a lot of respect for, and is a real smart guy, he was on MSNBC the other day, just flatly asserting that training can't fix any of this. Yeah, yeah. And um, you have, I, I saw um, Jim Clyburn just flatly assert that the police started out as slave patrols. He didn't say in the South, which is true. He just said, that's how they started. And it takes not a lot of Google to find out that like police in one form or another okay. basically stretch back to the 1300s in England. The first police, major police force in America was in Boston in the early 1800s. I don't think it was running down fugitive slaves. Um, and, uh, and so you get this rhetorical excess that becomes very Howard Zinn, mm. right? I mean, if you have this idea that there has been no progress on race, and that you can't train police to be better. Instead, the only option is to simply get rid of the institution entirely. That, that basically throws away any notion of, of social improvement, right? And we've improved a lot. Well, well, this country is much less racist than it used to be. The cops still have flaws, but they're not as bad as, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing, I haven't gone through the data yet, a very hard time believing that police were just weren't worse 60 years ago to African-Americans in this country than they are today. I mean, the idea that that hasn't improved just strikes me as a historical sort of Howard Zinni, the evils of the past never shrink in the rearview mirror kind of thing. Now, I, so anyway, that's where I you know, no, 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 the, the, That's right. And it also, it, it also takes a, a, a very, it also misses a very important part of the equation, um, which is, um, uh, Black cops, uh, black police, uh, and Latino police, and uh, for example, you know, New York, uh, which you know for several years, for, for, for some decades, did have problems in terms of how of a having a police force that would you know reflect the communities that they're that they're that they're serving, and but but you know over the over the last couple of decades, uh, and, and the, the last the last several. The last several uh, uh, pol uh, New York Police Academy uh, graduating classes have been um, have been majority minority. Uh, we finally we, we've reached we kind of re reached that level. Now the 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 upper the upper ranks, the management ranks, and so forth, you know, could use uh, a little bit more you know diversity and, and so forth. But it's it's very much we have a we, we, the, the police force. Looks a whole lot uh, looks a whole lot different um, than it did than, than it did a than it did a couple of couple of decades ago, and it is a it is also a it is also a fact that uh, 
the communities, uh, uh, the the minority communities, uh, ask for 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 policing. In fact, there's always been there's always been this there's always been this this tension where there were where you places where you had high crime rates. They were saying why you know. On the one hand, they think, "Why aren't the police? Uh, why aren't the police around? Why, why don't you know? Why don't they give us the same protections that you know the 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 upper the, the upper east side and the and the upper west and the upper west side are are, are getting?" So, yeah, th- this this idea that uh, you want to uh, completely uh, uh, get rid of the police, def- defund as in abolish, is is completely and totally uh, uh, r- r- ridiculous. Uh, but now, the, the the more intricate argument when they say they say that you know defund, meaning that certain money that is going to the police should be spent in other areas. There's a lot of it, there's a lot of uh, good discussion and debate that can come out of that, that can come out of that because uh, the cops have said over the years that you know. Uh, I, I, our main job should be fighting crime, but you want us to become social workers over here because of X, Y, and Z, and you want us to be doing this and that, and and so you 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 have a uh, uh, one of our favorite phrases you you've had over the over the decades, particularly in New York, and I'm, I think it it happens in 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 other cities as well. You have a kind of a mission creep of of what cops are of, of what cops are supposed to do now. Uh, there's been some there's been some talk coming out of the, of some of these uh, of some of these um, protests and discussions over the last uh, few weeks. For example, that 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 cop, if you call nine one one, let's just say you know you've got a, an emotionally disturbed person call, and you know, there's an older lady, um, and they they need somebody to uh, they, you need somebody to come and uh, address this person because they're acting in an aberrant way. There have been there have been some sad moments over the years. Uh, you you actually remember uh, you may remember uh, was it Eleanor Bumpers going back into into the into the 90, 1980s where who was a who was this um, black woman in her nineteen sixty in in, in in her sixties excuse me and and she was having uh, an emotional breakdown and she that starts you know you know, slap, trying to slash a cop and he shoots her and, and it, it was really awful. And they had a, there was a couple of years ago in New York, there was a, an incident which was very, very, a very, very similar, a woman around, around the same, around the same age. And you had the same kind of fate, you know, kind of fatal out, outcome. Uh, it's not one of those cases where you can say, oh, well, cop shoots unarmed person because the person t- is technically armed but then you kind of figure out was there a way to handle this where it didn't ha- where where the where the police officer doesn't have to ha- have to act in a fatal in a fatal manner uh so so that if you want to then start having a debate that uh you 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 want it rather than the cops being the first response you try and have the ha- have you know a social worker come to the scene and then may maybe have a police officer there uh, a police officer there in in support or something you know something like that that's a smart conversation. That's those. Yeah, no, I agree with that entirely. Yeah, that, that, yeah, those are the kind of conversations you, you reasonable people can disagree and come up. You know, I I'm totally open to the idea that you know someone who's suicidal uh, 
if there is no report that they have a gun, you know, that changes the equation. Um, particularly if they have family members around, like if someone, you know, a lot of, a lot of suicides are murder suicides where the guy, you know, is an idiot and thinks, you know, my family can't live without me, so I'll kill them, which is not a good form of thinking. And, um, I'm going to go on a limb there. Um, but you know, different horses for different courses. I'm totally open to that. You know, dealing with homeless people, there are a lot of really mentally disturbed homeless people out there. I'm not sure that a guy with a gun needs to do all that. that that's all reasonable to me. But, you know, your newspaper is very anti-gun. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. I would be hard-pressed to believe that you guys would be in favor of a mass, of, of when there's a mass shooting at a school, that the first responders not have guns, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, there, it is so easy. It kind of reminds me of Andy McCarthy's point about Trump's defense on the Ukraine stuff, where he was like, look, I'm a lawyer. You don't go into the court creating setting a bar that is the most difficult one to defend, you set the bar to the lowest defensible rung because that's all you need to do to meet, make your case. And so when Trump said, you know, the phone call was perfect, he just set himself up, you know, if that's, if the debate is over whether or not the call was perfect, Trump loses that argument, right? But if you make the call that it was like, not great, maybe regrettable, but whatever, um, but not impeachable, that's a much easier thing to defend and for his people to defend. Saying, get rid of all cops, yeah just invites the easiest, laziest counter-arguments, you know, and it, it's so unhelpful to the cause. Oh, oh, without, 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 without question. And, uh, and, and I'm and just as, you know, going back to the very beginning, just to clarifying here, I am in, I, I'm in no way uh, defending no, I know, you're any, not, any, you're of, not. any, any of the messaging that is coming, that is, um, that is, that is coming out of either the Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement or uh, you know, or you know, uh, or the or the politicians now when they're when they're de- when they're uh, um, debating it and de- debating it in Congress. I mean, we've we 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 when I say we, the 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 Daily News editorial board has set down set down its own markers for reform, and a number of those uh, have already have actually just been passed within the last couple of weeks uh, in, in out, out of the New York legislature. One of which was uh, uh, repealing this uh, uh, obscure uh, state law called called 50A, which effectively created a legislative um, blue wall of silence, um, blocking any kind of uh, review or information of uh, police of police misconduct. If uh, if a cop, for example, was involved in a, a questionable questionable death. Such as the, the the Eric the Eric Garner episode uh, five, five five years ago, uh, you know, the, the the press and other authorities and uh, 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 defense lawyers and, and so forth uh, would not have access to that police officer's discipl- um, disciplinary records, and that was a that 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 particular law had been in the book since 1976. But over the last four or five years, had been interpreted in a much, much stricter fashion, and so uh, repealing repealing that allows for a whole lot more transparency on on police on police misconduct and so and so forth. So that those are those are smart kind of re- reforms that everybody everybody can can get behind. But 
to, you know, to your point, these protests are going on, and I have to give credit to uh, you know, uh, Ari Melber from from on on MSNBC, who. Uh, a sentence never uttered on this podcast before. Well, Go on. you know, but but, but, <laughs> you know, but but he had a he had a good good he had a good point in the last couple of days. Uh, when he asked this question, and I think this is something that uh, progressives in general and Democrats uh, who and d- Democrats looking towards November have to like seriously think about be, because but right now Biden is you know kind of riding high in the polls and so forth. Uh, uh, the question that, that Melbourne asks uh, the the movement is, you know, uh, what does what does victory look like? And, and you know, it, 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 they're getting they're getting a lot of wins at the state level. I mean, as 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 conservatives, we can question some of these reforms that are being pushed through at the at the, at the state level, but. They are doing a lot, whether you want to call them reforms or uh, or destructive or whatever. They are getting a lot of changes done at the state level, and there's a bit debate. Uh, the, uh, the, the House and Senate Democrats have their own versions of reform. The re- the Republicans have been forced to get on board on this because they don't want to get run over by it. Uh, uh, Trump has has uh, you know put forward a couple of executive orders and is at least rhetorically, you know, talking, you know, talk, talking about this, but that's happened, but you still have thousands of people in the streets, which is not surprising given, oh yes, we've had a pandemic and, and, and millions of people are still out of, uh, out of work. So, uh, it's not surprising that they don't have anything to do. So they may as well keep, keep protesting. That is, that is ultimately unsustainable. Uh, through the summer, I think, and at a certain point, uh, I think the average person the, the, in the in the middle of, of the politics is thinking, okay, you know, I understand why we needed the reform. You know, it was awful what happened to this guy in Minneapolis. Uh, we've had some of the. Why is this still? Why is this still going on right now? And uh, and that is something that I think that the the the, the de- Democrats are certainly going to have to navigate. Joe Biden is certainly going to have to navigate, but. The, the movement in general is going to have to figure out, what, you know, what is it, uh, what is it that they want? Um, what more do they need long term? That's going to be that is that is actually reality based and is not just simple. Oh, you know, no cops anywhere, which is absurd. Yeah, and also just you know, the more, I mean, and I want to talk about De Blasio in a second, but the more you have this double standard where protests are approved behavior by epidemiologists, public health experts, politicians, and everything else is considered illegitimate, immoral, selfish, you know, selfish. And it's reduced, you know, like going to your parents' funeral is dismissed as, oh, you just want a haircut, you know, which would, you know, would make me want to pull my hair out if someone had said that to me. And, you know, and if I pulled my hair out, I would want to use keeps. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a uh, unusual advertiser for uh, this podcast because while I am going to seed in almost every other way imaginable, um, I actually have not been losing my hair. Um, there was a time when I was really sure I was going to lose my hair, and it was a huge source of panic for me. Um, my dad started to lose his hair when he was about eighteen. And I used to have very thick hair. And then in high school, it got really thin. And I thought, okay, this is the beginning of the end. 
And it's a particular problem for me because, or a particular fear for me, because um, I don't know if you know this about me, I have an enormous misshapen gourd of a head. And uh, some people, like Robert, can have can go bald and he just looks good or a very close cut, you know, near bald kind of thing. Um, but I, if, 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 if I lost my hair, um, people would want to start studying me with calipers because it would be bad. I just have this enormous gourd of a head and, um, and it's, it's much like Sputnik. It's spherical, but pointy in parts. Um, so, uh, but I know lots of people who have used, uh, you know, treatments for this kind of stuff. They're, they get, the science has gotten so much better than it used to be. I mean, it used to be that basically you just cut the head off a live newt and rubbed it on your head. And now they actually have like, you know, verifiable science for it. And that's why I want to talk to you about keeps. Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. That's true. A couple of my best friends from uh, high school and college, you know, researched this. And um, the earlier you start, the more of the hair you'll keep. So you can get treated from home now. You, you used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, K-E-E-P-S, you can visit a doctor online, get a hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to the pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. Keeps offers the generic versions of the drugs that are out there, which helps them keep the prices low. There are only two FDA-approved hair loss products, but um, and you may have tried them before, but you probably never tried them for the prices that Keeps offers. Keeps treatments can take up to four to six months or more to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month for free. Okay, so if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash dingo to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash dingo. Keeps dot com slash dingo. We thank Keeps for um, sponsoring today's episode of the podcast. All right, so let's 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 switch gears here for a second. Um, I want to get into the rank punditry phase very quickly. I know you have got a hard out because you have to go have some some meeting for your job or something like that. <laughs> it's a um, word, you know. But uh, um, on the, I remember. Let me put it in these terms. I remember uh, doing that CNN Sunday show with you when the Trent Lott. Yeah. thing happened and he said the nice things about uh, Strom Thurmond and the basic debate boiled down to whether Lot was evil or stupid. Mm-hmm. And my default in a lot of these situations with Republicans is that stupid explains things better than evil does in most cases. Um, and uh, um, But I'm curious... You've lived in New York now for a while. You're in the midst of like New York politics and all that kind of stuff. 
de Blasio. Evil or stupid? I mean, where, where, if you have to pick one, where do you come down? Well, uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure you've seen the I'm sure you see the GIF where you know you've got the the two characters. It just says um, both. Why can't it be both? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in this case, in this case, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna fall on the I'm gonna fall on the uh, on the the stupid on the stupid side. And if you want to say incompetent instead, that's fine. Well, well, know. yeah. That, I mean, I think that's I think I mean this this past week, and and you set this up absolutely absolutely perfectly. Uh, he said on uh, let's see i believe this was i believe this was tuesday uh, he had missed uh, he he had missed his daily briefing on on uh, on monday for, because of illness and so because he overslept uh, what, <laughs> that's happened a number of times in terms of i know he's sleeping but no this this time this time he apparently was he, he was legitimately under under the weather which caused a number of uh, a number of questions as to whether uh, whether and why he had had not taken any uh, he he had not been tested for uh, coronavirus, whereas his 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 or whether he got some laced weed. You know, where, anyway. Whereas his 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 arch enemy in New York politics, Andrew Cuomo, had like you know publicly uh, taken the test uh, you know on, on air. Uh, uh, the the um, the the mayor. We are supposedly. Uh, Come Monday, New York City is supposed to enter what they're calling Phase Two of the uh, of the reopening for our 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 area. Uh, the you know, Supreme God Cuomo had, had had deemed that different sections of the state had to open a, on a different time on a, on a different uh, time time frame. And and in fairness, you know, we have been the epicenter for a couple of months, so it, it this kind of sort of made sense. We were supposed to. New York City is is scheduled to go into reopening phase two on Monday. Uh, the mayor has now been kind of, you know, catfooting around that, say saying, "Well, we we have to double check our metrics, and it might be it it might be it might be later." Now, phase two means just simple things like you know outside seating, uh, outside seating at restaurants, uh, for, uh, for, for 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 example, uh, a. Uh, a cup two things happened monday night uh in, in the in the orthodox in the hasidic orthodox section of brooklyn in in midwood midwood and borough park um uh uh three orthodox uh, um, politicians a city councilman an assemblyman and a state 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 senator uh opened up these playgrounds that had been padlocked for, for 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 a couple of months, uh, the, the, there was a confusing rule in New York that said, you know, uh, parks like the big parks, like Central Park and Prospect Park and so forth, that they they were open so people could go out and uh, even even during the quarantine and get some exercise, get some fresh air and so forth. But playgrounds uh, had to be had to be closed because too many people were congregating in there and they were and they were afraid of the spread. Now, for the first couple of, couple of months. This was uh, uh, understandable. It was annoying for some for some folks because uh, uh, Orthodox families, unlike a lot of families in New York, Orthodox a lot of Orthodox families have a lot of kids, and having them, uh, you know, all stuffed inside of small New York apartments is 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 tough for anyone. So now that this that the spring is here, summer's here. Uh, the parents want the playgrounds uh, want the playgrounds opened, or at least want to have some kind of schedule for the playgrounds to open up. Uh, 
they stayed shut. So these these elected politicians, you know, took the law in their own hands, un- unlocked the playgrounds. So uh, the, the mayor was asked about this, and he said, "Look, you know, these rules are in place for a reason. We have to keep an eye on the spread, and and that's why we're doing this." Okay, that makes sense. Two minutes later, he's asked about what is the difference between allowing thousands of protesters who are not uh, practicing social distancing out while we are coming down hard on folks on the Upper East Side who are hanging outside of bars. Uh, You know, they get their drinks to go and they're all schmoozing and carousing and and, and so forth. And he says, well, uh, you you have to understand um, we are, uh, there is this, we are seeing a social movement, um, you know, coming, coming to life right here, um, um, uh, staring down and speaking truth to power against 400 years of racism and demanding reform. It's urgent. And this, it needs to be, this needs to, this needs to happen. And he said, and you can see it's, it's complete and total apples and oranges. And what he says about the protest is absolutely true. But if the question is, if the issue is, is health. And if you are going to create reasons why the playgrounds have to stay have to stay closed because of health, and we can't allow the spread the, the spread to continue, if you're going to say that uh, you know that the the, the yuppies or uh, you know the the, uh, the 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 kids on the Upper East Side shouldn't be out um, carousing because we have to keep the spread control, but you give your official sanction to thousands marching in the streets for two, three, two or three weeks. And then when asked a couple of minutes later, again, this is all in the same press briefing, a couple of minutes later, um, are we going to be ready? You know, what are the plans to open up uh, to, to go into phase two on, on Monday? And he's saying, well, we have to we, 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 we have to take a look at that. You know, it, it may be Monday. It could be a little it could be a little bit later because uh, the, 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 uh, the there might be a, there might be an uptick in in, uh, in in infections and in cases in cases uh, because of the protest, we have to take a look at that. So, I mean, it's it's complete and total absurdity, and it's understandable why people are you know you, say, you know pulling pulling their hair out. And the, and the the, the mayor is uh, you know risking uh, a lot more kind of acts of overt rebellion. A, on a lot, a, a much larger scale than than just uh, three orthodox uh, politicians uh, opening up a opening up a playground. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, maybe it's because I just finished rewatching the first eight seasons of Walking Dead. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I I often think about COVID as like Walking Dead, right? It's like it has the logic of a cancer cell. It doesn't think. It doesn't pick winners and losers, right? It just does what it does. And if you had said um, look, we have to stay inside our homes because there are zombies out there. Unless you're protesting racism, then you can go, I mean, it just, the logic just doesn't work. And <clears throat> I think as a social, historical, you know, conversational point, it is certainly fine to say that the protests, particularly on day one or day two or day three. Or week one, even go week, week even, one. Even week one, you know, have a certain amount of justification that um, other activities may not have, but you get you just simply get yourself into an enormous amount of trouble when the government says these things are socially redeeming and and Trump public health 
and these things don't because it's not playgrounds necessarily. It could be the business that you spent your entire life trying to build up that feeds your family. It could be, you know, a baptism or, you know, people's relationship with God and faith is pretty important to a lot of them. And, 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 and picking, saying, okay, well, this is socially redemptive and, you know, and this isn't, uh, is just not, is, is a very illiberal way of doing politics. Exactly. And actually, by the way, I can give you some breaking news now that uh, the, uh, the, 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 the mayor uh, has, uh, announced, uh, has, has announced that uh, uh, New York City is ready to proceed with phase two on Monday. So uh, well, I thought you were going to say is, it, is going to be Jew free. The funny the, 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 I shouldn't say funny, but the the ironic thing is that uh, he ha there have been a number of episodes where you know the, the cops have come down on on, on on members of the Orthodox community who've been breaking the the quarantine either because of uh, trying to get uh, some of the some of the kids to go to the yeshivas you know even though the schools are closed or uh, having one of the large funerals and so and so forth so th there's been this uh, there's been this idea of him being completely and totally anti-Semitic. The irony is that the the Orthodox community was has been part of Bill de Blasio's um, political base in terms of Brooklyn going back uh, going back a decade and a half. In fact, one of the one of the political uh, campaign finance scandals that um, uh, that that he's been involved in, of which there have been several over the over, over the years, uh, involve a, a couple of uh, a, a couple of Orthodox um, businessmen who were who were who were funneling funneling money to him. So there's this irony of of that he's being accused of being anti-Semitic in the context of in trying to enforce pandemic rules on members of the Orthodox community when that's been part of his that's been part of his base. So yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I, I mean I'm joking around, but I don't yeah, actually go, think go, he's go figure, but. You know, I make jokes, but I, I don't well, think he's actually. Before. He's not. He's not evil. He's just. Dumb. He's just dumb. Yeah, I mean, he's he's he's, he's sideshow Bob walking into a sea of garden rakes, and um, <laughs> there's uh, there's a certain there's a certain Maoist thing in his ideology that it's not in his actions that drives me crazy. You know, you know, it, there's plenty of wealth out there. It's just in the wrong hands. I mean, that is. That is the basic platform of Bain um, in Gotham, <laughs> right? Is I've, is lots of wealth out there is in the wrong hands. I've had this. I've had this theory. I've had this theory for some for some time now that uh, the 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 most un the the, the, the most underrated um, uh, part of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, uh, you know, the, uh, the the Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Uh, is actually uh, uh, based on the events of the last uh, six or seven months. Is actually a documentary, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you if you take if you take the whole thing if you take the whole thing in, you know, uh, New York, uh, you know, cut off from the you know cut off from the rest of cut off from the rest of America. That you know, everything is everything is in everything is in lockdown. There's this uh, um, 
this anarchical far left movement that is uh, that is you know that wants to take that wants to take the wealth. Uh, um, Bain is wearing masks, you know. That uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is <laughs> what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? And there's a and there's a healthy dose of a uh, cancel culture to Bain's movement. Uh, there is a healthy there is a there's a healthy. I should say an unhealthy dose. An, un- un- healthy, <laughs> an unhealthy dose. Uh, actually, by the way, I know we were go- we were going to talk a little bit about DC Marvel, but I think we may end up running out of time. This actually, could, if 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 I come back, you know, this could be our. Um, Jimmy Kimmel, Matt Damon, then you know we we promise to have this debate and we never quite get to it. We never quite get 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 clear enough. It. But uh, but I will just take a quick look. Those since we were just talking about this, that this was the this was the week where uh, um, uh, comic book bands like you know lost one of like the maybe arguably one of the Mount Mount Rushmore faces in terms of writers, um, and that was that was Denny O'Neill. And as I've I, I put this out on Twitter uh, uh, when it, when he passed. That uh, if your only knowledge of Batman or the Christopher Nolan um, movies, uh, it would be impossible to make them without uh, uh, Denny O'Neill because he was the guy who created Ra's al Ghul. He was the guy who created Talia. He was the guy who created. They called them the League of Shadows in Batman Begins, but uh, they were the League of Assassins when they were when they were created in in the nineteen seventies. And he was the editor when uh, when Bane was cre- was was created. So uh, as well, so he his his fingerprints are on that, and they and the writing the writing can really um, speaks to the can also speak to the moment that we're in right now too. So, who do you think gets more credit for the the overall sort of philosophical and aesthetic? feel of it uh frank miller or or denny uh well uh the the, the the dark knight stuff that miller did was huge well the, the dark knight stuff that the the, 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 the the well the the idea and the the co-branding of batman as the dark knight i mean he was always kind of known as the dark knight detective but as the dark knight is obviously is, is obviously frank miller and he resuscitated the character in the in the 19 in the 1980s and for good or for ill uh you know opened up this whole era of comic books in, in a more adult and a darker um somewhat more cynical phase which has had uh, good and bad um uh ripples of uh, th- through the through the through the industry through the industry so M- miller put that imprint as the dark knight on there but the original um, remaking or uh, resuscitating of Batman as a darker character and not the campy character he was that he had been in the mid '60s because of the TV show and so forth. That was that was De- that was De- that was Denny O'Neill, and uh, so uh, you uh, Miller gets a huge amount, but in terms of you know going back. Decades and 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 and, and meaning, meaningful storylines. It's 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 O'Neill and his the artist at the time uh, Neil Adams who you know created the the image the, the right image to go along with the words. So I know you have to run. So we will continue this debate another time. I'll just say that I agree with you largely about uh, Batman and the Dark Knight being great and all that. And one of the reasons they're great is because they are by far the most Marvel characters <laughs> in DC and they properly, they, it's, it's like, you know, you know, when, uh, you know, Ted Williams or Babe Ruth gets traded to a wrong team, 
Batman should be a Marvel character. Yeah. Because he is much more consistent with Marvel philosophy than the goody two-shoes philosophy of DC. But anyway, you know. Hey, um, hey. That, you're, you're at the Daily News, which is sort of the DC of tabloids versus the Marvel. <laughs> you're close, so there's that too. So I don't want to get you in trouble. There, there you go. That's 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 completely that's completely fine. And uh, 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 we'll, we'll we'll leave the broader debate to a uh, to, uh, to a later time. So. To another time, Robbie. Thank you so much for doing this. Can, oh, um, thank you. Uh, and um, uh, you're doing fantastic work at Princeton. I just want to get that in one more time. <laughs> All right, so Robbie had to uh, go to some sort of editorial meeting and, you know, figure out all sorts of reasons why he has to stay at the Daily News. Um, but it was fun to have him on. Uh, hopefully we'll have him back on um, another time soon. And, um, you know, next week, just want to remind folks that uh, uh, members of the dispatch community um, who sometimes go by the street lingo, paid subscribers, uh, can uh, participate in the event that I'm doing with Chris Wallace on Tuesday. Um, check out the site for more details on that. Um, and uh, what else? I was going to talk about um, John Bolton. And apparently while we were recording this, uh, Justice Roberts said something interesting about DACA, which we'll probably get to next week. And... Um, uh, but, you know, there's always room for more punditry. And uh, I thought it was long overdue that I got Robbie on here. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Please become a paid member if you can. Um, we really appreciate it. You guys are the secret to all of our success. And I will see you next time. No, you won't. This is a podcast. Sure.